Welcome. You are listening to a broadcast by Barnabas Foundation, your trusted partner for smart and powerful generosity. And here is your host, Reverend Philip Leo, Director of Church Communications. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining me here today on Facebook Live. My name is Philip Leo. I am Church Communications Director at Barnabas Foundation. I'm so happy to spend some time with you on this Wednesday morning. I'm, uh, I'm playing cards this morning. Uh, we have so much time on our hands. I'm not a good shuffler, but I'm going to try. And uh, we have so much time on our hands. I'm playing cards, but I'm playing uh, Money Habitudes. We have with us the creator of Money Habitudes, Sybil Solomon. Thanks, Sybil, for joining us this morning. I so appreciate it. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Phil. Uh, Sybil is the founder of LifeWise Strategies. She, as I said, is the creator of Money Habitudes. Uh, Sybil is a speaker, an educator, and a coach who specializes in the psychology of money. And uh, you can learn more about uh, Sybil and what she's created and uh, some of her work at moneyhabitudes.com. And uh, I'm so excited to be able to talk with Sybil about Money Habitudes. I uh, can't wait to get into that. I want to just mention a few things. Uh, first of all, at the end of our time this morning, I'm going to share a code that will allow you to uh, use the online version of Money Habitudes. I'll also type that into the comments section on, on our Facebook Live page uh, so that you're able to have that. Um, I also want to mention, too, that Generosity Today just went, our spring issue of Generosity Today just went out today. Please check your inbox for it. Uh, that is our quarterly newsletter designed for people sitting in the pew. It's designed to promote giving of non-cash assets, uh, giving in a will. It comes in an email format. You can send that right out. Uh, there's also a PDF version. Uh, but we're not in, uh, in our churches, so we can't put them in church mailboxes. But it is an email version, uh, so you can forward that to your congregation. I also want to mention that on Tuesday, coming up uh, Tuesday, May 5, a couple of our staff members from Barnabas Foundation, Jim Baki, our executive director, Kurt Knoll, our uh, member services director, they're going to be doing a segment called Ask the Ex Expert. Uh, they're going to be doing it for Christian leaders associations for their outcome series. Uh, the topic they're going to be talking on is plan giving in times of uncertainty. And I will post a link for that. Uh, if you're interested in that, I'll post a link after this on our Facebook page uh, so that you can check that out. Well, great. Uh, Sybil, uh, again, thanks so much for taking time with me this morning, with us this morning. Uh, I came across Money Habitudes at a conference. I was given a list of recommended resources. Uh, Money Habitudes was on that. I was curious for lots of reasons. One, one of them being I didn't know what a habitude was. But I do know that in uh, the faith communities, in faith communities, uh, a lot of emphasis is put on habits uh, that uh, we become. Uh, in many instances, or, or to a large degree, we become those habits uh, that that we develop <laughs> in our in our lives. And so, I was curious about money habitudes. In my work, I'm always thinking 
about resources to provide for church leaders. When I saw Money Habitudes, I knew that it would be a great tool uh, to be paired with uh, a class on financial literacy. A lot of churches do classes on financial literacy, and I knew right away uh, that a, a nice handy card deck like this um, is fun to play with. Uh, you can do it in small groups. Um, and I also know that the online version is, uh, is really, really useful as well. So let's uh, get into a little bit. Sybil, uh, can you ta uh, start by talking a little bit about what you have in mind when you talk about a money habitude? Thanks, Phil. So a habitude is actually a real word. I didn't make it up. Oh. And it's a combination of habits and ab attitudes. Okay. So when we think about an attitude, an attitude is your first thought, your first feeling. And your habit is that behavior, whatever it is that you actually do. So an example of that is, let's say that you grew up, uh, you're influenced by your parents, your community, uh, your religion, uh, and the media. And you grew up where what you heard continually from your parents was, you should be giving, you should help other people. And then you get a request and it, for, for money. And, your for, and that money is going to be used to help refugees. And your first thought is, well, of course I want to help them. I was raised to help other people. And your habit, and that would be your attitude, your habit would be you're going to write out your check. Right? On the other hand, uh, you might get that. And if you were raised with the attitude of people should help themselves, you know, they should pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And therefore, your response to that request for refugees would be, no, I'm not going to help them. Uh, and you don't even consider reaching into your, into your uh, pocket. And therefore, you've got your habit and your attitude. You use those so often over so many years that it actually feels like it's involuntary. You don't even think about it, and you know that you're right. Right. So... Um... Uh, when it comes to money, uh, in your research and in your work, you've identified six money habitudes, and um, they're on your uh, box, card box right there. Probably can't <laughs> see it really well, but uh, status, planning, carefree, giving, spontaneous, and security. So let's, let's uh, sort of quickly run through these, but before we do, um, in our conversations leading up to today, one of the things that you mentioned to me that uh, caught my attention uh, is that you are especially interested in conversation and uh, talk around the topic of giving. Uh, and I'm curious about that, Sybil. What, uh, what is it about giving that captures your imagination? Giving sounds so simple, doesn't it? Somebody asks you for something and you just give it to them. Uh, but giving is actually an incredibly complex um, topic and that the way that we give is really influenced by our habitudes, by our habits and attitudes over the many years. So the, when we think about giving, and I'd like people that are listening to this to think about it on, on two different levels. One is very personally, um, because the way that we relate to money has a lot to do with how we relate to ourselves. So I'd like you to really be thinking about this on a personal level, but at the same time, you're all involved in working with people where you need money from them in order to run your churches and run your missions. Uh, so 
kind of like split your brain in two and be thinking about everything I say in, in those two different parts. And giving is particularly interesting because some people are very giving, but they're not able to receive. Um, other people are very giving, but they're not necessarily generous because it brings them joy. They're giving because they believe it's the right thing to do and they're socially responsible. Hmm. So the, the way that we, we give does not necessarily reflect um, that generosity of giving and that joy of giving as much as it may represent other things that we'll be talking about. Interesting, interesting. So uh, when I went through Money Habitudes, uh, which I, you know, honestly, it's the kind of thing that you can do over and over again uh, <laughs> is just because you get new insight all the time. But uh, so my primary Money Habitude is security. My secondary is planning. Uh, and this is the really horrifying part for me, Sybil. Uh, common descript, at least from my perspective, this is horrifying. Common descriptors for me are thrifty, prepared, suspicious, and cheap when it comes to money. Um, uh, so uh, when somebody like me who has their money habitude is security and planning, uh, what does giving look like for somebody like me? <laughs> so your pattern when security, and again, we're talking about a spectrum, of, right. of how people can react. Right. Uh, so I'm gonna talk more about extremes. So security okay. in one hand is really great because the chances are that you save money. Money represents being secure, being in control and represents power. So if you take that to an extreme, somebody might have a real difficult time giving money um, and they might feel like they never have enough of it. So the good thing is if I was gonna to come to you and ask you for money, the chances are you probably have some because you do save <laughs> um, and that you're thrifty. On the other hand, people who really value security, they want the facts. They, When somebody comes to them to borrow money or ask to give money, what they want to know is what are you going to do with it and how are you going to be accountable and how am I going to know that? Okay. So in terms of personally, it could be really a difficult thing in a relationship because many times we have I vision kind of like a hole in the center of us uh, where we're maybe not feeling really good. So we use money to stay in control and to feel more powerful. And it may feel like we never have enough of it. And as a result, in a relationship, and money habitudes are often used with couples, in a relationship you have somebody who does seem cheap and seems overly frugal and the way that may come out is really negative. It may come out as very judgmental. You mm -hmm. want to use it for that. So on a personal level, you really want to pay attention to, do you need to lighten up a little bit? And maybe just even try giving a little bit more and being a little more generous. Um, and on a, a bigger level, it might also be, do you... Um, what, what you want from people is to know what the facts are and do you need to do you need to have all of that information in order to trust that other person and and you need to know you want to know how that person's going to be accountable um and you need to be accountable and not expect people to just give to you because you've got a great idea on the other hand if there's a choice between giving for a roof um and giving to something that might be an event 
the person who values security is more likely going to give to the roof right. uh, for maintenance than for some fun event. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's um, security and planning. Uh, let the next two, let's just spend some time on status and giving as money habitudes, status and giving. Uh, as I think about those, uh, they seem to be related anyways, from my, my thinking anyways, because they're both relationally orientated status. Uh, when it comes to money, uh, if my money habitude is status, it has to do with, uh, what, uh, how others perceive me. If it, um, if my money habitude is giving, it has to do with how I share my wealth with other people. Um, and I may or may not be onto something there, but what is, what is giving look like for folks who have either status or giving as their money habitude? Well, first of all, you're highly evolved because most people don't see the connection between status and giving. They more typically think of status as somebody who may be superficial and who gives just in order to impress right. other people whether or not they can afford it. But you're absolutely correct. The important thing with both of them is that it has to do with caring about other people. Right. So for somebody who values status, the way that they care is they want to make a positive impression. And for some people, that means fitting in. It means doing what everybody else does. So if everybody else is giving $100, then you feel like you need to give $100. And that if you give 1000 mm. it may look like you're trying to stand out, right? On the other hand, if you want to stand out and everybody's giving $100, then you are going to give $1,000, right. right? So for status, we really want to think about how we're being influenced by the community, how we're being influenced by the, our family and the people around us. The status people definitely want to be acknowledged. And on a personal level, that may be the thank you note, um, or it may be making sure that other people in the family know what you gave. And on a, a bigger level, like through the church, you all know, because you're all into this, all the different ways that you can acknowledge people um, that like that. If somebody yeah. doesn't like status and you say you're putting their name in the bulletin, right. you're not going to be happy. Right? right. On the other hand, giving, people give, in the way I look at it through money habitudes, is people give for the joy of giving. And there's many people who are very selfless um, and they're altruistic and they, they just give because they want to help other people. They're, they, they're not looking to get anything out of it. On the other hand, for people who do a lot of giving, um, and again, you want to look at this probably on a personal level, that we really need to think about what's the impact of our giving, right? On a personal level, it may be that we're enabling the other person and instead of helping them take responsibility for what they do, uh, and it may take away their, their trust in themselves that they're able to do what they need to do. Mm. Um, and I think that's a, a really important part because even if we want to give, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best thing for that person. So when it comes to status and giving, they may be very generous and look alike on the surface, but their motivations are very different in okay. terms of what they, they do. Okay. Um, spontaneous and carefree to uh, different money habitudes. Uh, maybe you can help us understand, uh, help me understand the difference. Uh, um, they seem like polar opposites to security and planning. 
Um, <laughs> if I think about, if I imagine somebody who's uh, either spontaneous or carefree related to uh, their money, and if that's their money habitude, that ends up being a pretty big disconnect for me. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't get my mind around that. Um, but let's try to keep focused. Uh, what, what does giving look like for somebody who's spontaneous in a money habitude and somebody who's uh, carefree? Okay, so Phil, just to digress for a moment. Yes, please. Uh, so you said they look like they're very, very polar opposites to security and planning, yeah. you're right. And the interesting thing in couples is that it's very common that somebody with security or planning is in a relationship with somebody who's spontaneous and carefree. Yeah. And just as an aside, often we see that as a conflict. And when you look at it a little bit deeper, what you see is that they're actually balancing each other. So the more one person is spontaneous, the more the other person wants to hold on to money. Yeah. And it could lead to lots of other things, which could be a whole other session and we won't go into that. Right, right. Yeah. You know, it's funny because when we were we were uh, passing around the card deck in the office, this was some time ago, but uh, one of our coworkers said, you know, uh, I, she did it with her husband and that's exactly what they found. It's sort of like the polar opposites. And it was sort of like this question, well, if there, if you came into a, a thousand bucks or whatever, you know, what would you buy? And she was like, no brainer, I'd buy a, a wave runner. And, uh, and he was like, no, I would invest it because that's the smart thing to do, you know? So yeah, I think you're right. I think this pretty common, common dynamic. Yeah, so we really want to look for balance. But yeah. when we're talking about it in, in broader terms, the carefree person actually is more money avoidant. And what okay. they, they are very quick to let somebody else make decisions for them. Um, and they typically don't like to get involved in money. They like things to be really simple. So if you're looking for them to donate and you just have that little button that they can push, the same for spontaneous, that's probably a, a good idea from, from that perspective. On the other hand, the carefree person tends to have money just disappear. They don't keep track of it. They don't really know what they have. <clears throat> they... Um, if, if something sounds good, feels good, they're just going to be very open about it and they're going right. to share their money. And in that way, they look the same as a spontaneous person. Okay. But the difference is that the spontaneous person, typically they actually know what money they have. They know what they need to do, but they tend to be pretty impulsive and they're really focused on the moment. So if it's going to bring them joy in the moment, then they're going to be um, more impulsive about just giving. On the other hand, they frequently have regrets about it. And the spontaneous person, if they have plenty of money, it's just not an issue because unless it is for somebody else <laughs> um, in terms of giving. Right. But for the person who doesn't really have much money, it's a huge issue because they react in the moment without thinking about future consequences and then they're faced with big bills. And one of the things that I've often heard when I've worked with people um, in the churches is that they often have people who are so generous, they're givers, and they just give and give and give. And one of the things that's interesting with money habitudes is it makes no difference how much money you actually have. Some people can be incredibly wealthy and hold on to money incredibly tightly. Mm -hmm. And other people may have no money at all and yet they just generously give. And what I hear from many people 
is that sometimes we don't want people to give all of that money. We really want them to take care of themselves um, as well. And I'd actually like to share a quick story about one of the reasons that I got into this. Yes, please do. There was a woman who worked for me and I told her this story about a bass fisherman and his wife who were declaring bankruptcy. And the bankruptcy educator said, well, you may need to get rid of your bass fishing boat because that's a big expense. And he looked at her and he looked at his wife and he points to his wife and says, she goes before my boat goes. Well, I was telling this story to, my, to the woman who worked with me and she came back and said, you know, my husband's a bass fisherman and he has a boat and it's pretty expensive. And she said, I'm $15,000 in credit card debt and I don't know what to do because the, they're, I'm starting to get calls. And she's not a frivolous person and she's a very grounded person. Right. And I said, how did you get $15,000 into debt? So she told me that her husband had lost his job when the company closed. He was starting his own business and things weren't going well, which they often don't. So she said, I didn't want him to feel badly. So I just would put, start putting things on the credit card for the kids, um, for food, for the kids' supplies for schools, right. for clothes. And I didn't want his parents or my parents to think any less of him to know things weren't going well. Mm -hmm. So I continued giving them gifts and helping them in the ways I always did. Mm -hmm. And they were Baptist and had belonged to the same church in their little town for mm -hmm. generations. They, she did not want anybody to know what their situation was. So she continued tithing at the same level that wow. they had been when both of them were working. Wow. And for me, that was such an incredible eye-opener because frequently we think of people who get into debt or have financial problems as just being irresponsible. But she wasn't motivated by anything irresponsible or being spontaneous. Mm -hmm. She was just trying to maintain an image in her family, her community, and her church. And that's, that's what actually propelled me onto this road to say, why don't people talk about money? And why do they do what they do? Exactly. And the money habitudes was the result of that little conversation. Oh, that was pretty cool. And that, you know, that's actually what I was going to, uh, land on was sort of like that's why in, in my estimation a tool like money habitudes matters uh, because it is a wonderful tool uh, a, for self-awareness but also for conversations uh, in relationship around something that uh, people often don't know how to talk about and that's one of the things that we talk about in the church context all the time how do we have conversations about money? How do we, um, because often in churches, it's the last thing that gets talked about or one of the last things get, that gets talked about. That's why at the top, I said, this is such a perfect tool. It's so much fun. It's such a perfect tool for a financial literacy class to sort of place alongside or with a financial liter literacy class for people to use in small group settings, for, uh, for couples to use, all those kinds of things. And before I forget, and while my mind is on it, let me just, I'll say the code. Uh, Sybil has been really gracious to offer a code um, for anybody that would like to try the online version. I'm going to type it in here. And uh, it's BF2020. 
um, Barnabas Foundation 2020. And you can take that code and you can go to moneyhabitudes.com and you can use that code uh, for a free experience of Money Habitudes. Um, and you can check out other resources on Sybil's website. Do I have that right, Sybil? Is there anything else they need to know about that? Actually, there's, there's, you can get to the website through there. If you go to online.moneyhabitudes, you'll get directly there to put your code in. Oh, okay. um, on, at moneyhabitudes.com, you can also see a 90-second video on how to use Money Habitudes and, and use the cards. Yeah, and then just put in your code, put in your name, and you're, you're good to go. Okay, cool. Sybil, I, I find this so fascinating. I find it uh, so user-friendly. I, um, I think we all like tools that help us uh, in self-discovery, and I just find it really, really helpful. I'm so uh, thankful for uh, your willingness to work with me on this uh, Facebook Live event. Uh, you've been a wonderful guest, and I look forward to, uh, to connecting going forward with you. Let me just, as I close out here, let me just mention a couple things that I mentioned at the top. Uh, one is that uh, the new issue of Generosity Today has just gone out. Please look for it, uh, uh, check it out, but more importantly, share it with your church. Uh, it is our quarterly newsletter that is designed to inspire people uh, for giving of non-cash assets and also making gifts in their will. Um, so uh, please keep an eye out for that. Also, uh, just a reminder, when I get off this call, then on Facebook, on my Facebook page, I'll post the information about the Ask the Expert uh, piece that uh, Jim Baki and Kurt Knoll are going to do on Tuesday at 1.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. I think that's a wrap, Sybil. Um, Thank you so much, Phil. It was a pleasure being with you. Let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. This audio has been brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn how we can help you experience smart and powerful generosity. Visit us today at www.barnabasfoundation.com.